man, it was it was really cool. I had a I was at the registration table talking to Barnaby, and this guy comes like, "Hey, you sound really familiar." And I was just, like, waiting for the shoe to drop and be like, you sound just like Seth Rogen, like every fucking human I meet <laughs> says to me. You just gotta do the laugh. <laughs> That's not the Seth Rogen laugh. I don't, I don't even know what, it, I don't, I don't get it. I don't hear it, I don't get it. But I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. And he's like, do you do a podcast? I was like, why, yes, I do. And so this, Yeah! <laughs> so this guy, Ed, I guess he's, like, getting into airbrushing, and the last one we did, talking about the oh, I thought HPC. he was going to ask about, like, a Freaks and Geeks podcast or something. No. <laughs> Fuck you. Welcome to another episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me this week are... Dan. Mike. And Steve. Yeah, I didn't say as always, because Ward's not here. No. It's not like always. You should never say always, because there's always somebody missing once in a while. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, it's yeah true. No. We literally always have rotating people. That's why there's five of us. It makes it actually work. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. A little so. redundancy. Yeah, great. Right. We're like Klingon's organs. <laughs> Great conversation starter. This is awesome. Wow. So, like, if a giant plastic thing falls on us and crushes our spine, we have another one? Yeah. I, yeah, well, assuming that... When you say plastic thing, you're referring to the clearly fake rocks. No, this was in the cargo bay when one of the thingies fell on wharf and oh. crushed his spine, but he had another one. So it was the, the fake cargo containers. Yeah. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So Ward is Movie effectively happened. our spine that was crushed by a fake <laughs> cargo container. I think he's at a safety meeting. <laughs> Maybe they're talking about uh, somebody's car. Maybe that's why he's at the safety meeting. Exactly. He has a crushed spine. <laughs> yeah. Although I feel like he wouldn't be texting us so nonchalantly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crushed spine. <laughs> Ward, we hope you get better soon. <laughs> it's cool. Dr. Pulaski's the best. <laughs> best in Starfleet. Oh my god. Not even Crusher. It went to Pulaski. Because <laughs> she was the one. I think that was season one. Wow, this is really <laughs> in-depth. Off, Off-topic off already. No, 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 this is not off-topic. Our topic is general nerd stuff, and so talking about somewhat... It, it's not even that obscure. Staying on a tangent for an extended period of time is as close as we get to on-topic as we will ever get, so yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we're fine. I'll, I'll chalk that up as a victory. I'll agree with that. Absolutely. So uh, let's just jump into This Week in Hobby. So Steve, what have you been doing? And what are you currently doing? <laughs> yeah, because you're you're still trudging away. Yeah, uh, more Imperial Fists. Uh, so I finished up the drop pods. I think I was had just finished spraying them last time we, we talked. I had done the base coats. Uh, I think they were in sub-assemblies. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think you were saying the sub assemblies were done, and they just needed some detail work and assembly. So. Yep. So got that all finished, put them together, uh, finished up ten of the Marines completely. They're weathered and ready to roll. Uh, and then I have really just four Marines left and a few decals to throw on. Reposed my Imperial Knight, did uh, his Avenger Gatling cannon, and uh, also did his missile hat, which is the Ironstorm missile pod. So I'm actually on schedule knock on wood for vegas so it's pretty good yeah because you've got the four in front of you and then like a handful of little details here and there to yeah. just kind of finish things up and i that gotta is. say um it's looking great i think the, the imperial fists with the teal yeah was a really good choice i'm a little sad i couldn't finish the the night or redo the night in the the scheme that i was hoping to go with which is that purpley black uh with all the crazy freehand but at the same time i'm 
kind of happy I didn't do that because that would be that sounded a difficult. huge project. And you could honestly do that for next year. Yeah, exactly, if I want to. Yeah, we'll see. I, next year, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that depending on how, how, what happens, next year I'll either go play Hawk stuff or I'm going to go bring a super competitive list and actually try and do well on the gaming side of things. Fuck it, let's go play Let's play Hawk next year. I'll go. Yeah, I'm thinking that might be actually what I do. I'm kind of looking forward to playing my uh, PHR fleet. Hmm. Ooh, yeah. and Sheltarian drop zone. Did you kill exactly. it yet? No, I haven't got it yet, but Ward stuff is really looking good. Yeah. That green turned out actually really nice. I have to say, since he's not here, I can talk talk crap about him. I thought that green was not going to work out. Uh, when I first saw the color <laughs> scheme, I was like, ugh. I'm not sure how I feel about this. It looked a little flat, kind of a weird color for a spaceship. I saw the promise in it. Like if it, it was, looks good. If it was painted to look like a really, like really shiny, sheer, reflective kind of surface rather than just like a flat. Why did they paint it this weird shade of green? Yeah, like I knew it would work if it had that shiny look, and it might even need that satin varnish in the end. I think it will. Um, so I don't know if it needs anything. I'm actually, like I said, I'm really sold with the PHR stuff. Yeah, I like their great. original look, and I think. The thing that really sold me even more is it doesn't have to be in the the hot color schemes like that cream and and sort of I guess stark dark metal kind of color they got going on. Well, I think yeah. one of the things that has really surprised me uh, is how the all of the hawk models can look good in so many different color schemes. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, because yeah. there's a lot of games where you kind of got to stick to something pretty similar, or it's almost like the the designs of the models really kind of need a certain scheme. Yeah, I mean, you can always, there's always, yeah, you're right. Like, there's, there's always some, some variety. variety. Like, I was going to say Mike, Stormcast, Eternals totally are not the gold. I don't like the gold, though. No, that's that's fair, but I, I always thought, like, you're going to need to have them be some sort of metallic, because they're clearly in metal plates. Like, if they were done in sort of, like, a rusted up color scheme, they would look really weird. You know what I mean? Like, that super clean Challenge aesthetic. accepted. Do you think? <laughs> Rusty Stormcast? Totally! I don't know, man. Like, boggy, like, they've been in the fucking... T- okay, admittedly, you're talking to the guy that's like, I'm thinking in my head of, like, all the ways that I want to paint Iron Warriors, but don't want to deal with fucking Space Marines ever again. So you want to paint the fantasy Space Marines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. I, I I think, like, that's that's kind of what I like about the Hawk stuff, is you can do them different ways, and I think Ward kind of proved that to me, so I have a few ideas rattling around about how I want to do my PHR. Sweet. Anyways, that's a total off-topic side of things. Again, why do we keep talking about being off-topic? We're never yeah. on topic. Yeah, I, I got stuff done for this week in hobby, so I'm pretty stoked. Hey. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Uh, <laughs> I get as much done. Did a lot more playing. Nice. Uh, but I did start my Archeon base. So I, get I saw of, that. Yeah. It's, I did not see this. I wish to. LEDs and crystals and shit? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, basically there's quartz nice. and there's red pulsing crystal, red lights. And I like red crystals. Well, it's the red... It's Archeon's in the red light district! Oh, uh, Sure. <laughs> I don't know really what that means. <laughs> no, you, but you, know so the, you know the lights that yeah. you can get, right? No, this you is know the happy chip. face. <laughs> yeah, you can get to make some pulse. Yeah, I have, I have that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's threaded under the base, underneath the quartz crystals and the little crystals. Pulse red. It's I pulsating use, red I lights. Use my, I use my pulsating red lights for my not safe for work uh, billboard. Mm. My dark Eldar. Remember that one? Yep. Yes, yeah, that was the thing. Definitely had pulsating lights there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, did you get any paint on it, or is it just? kind of half built where it's j- it's just the foundation and the crystals oh he's got a video well you can't show pulsating in one frame yeah no yeah. but it also doesn't really work well on radio 
There's, yeah. there's oh, come on. Movie. We've already, again, why do we mention these? We also, we should really have thought about our medium. Like, we're a podcast about painting on radio. Like, that's questionable. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. No, because watching paint dry is boring, so listening to it is clearly a better idea. Yes, it's that's way better, for well, sure. No, we're basically like whale sounds. We just help people go to sleep. <laughs> You can listen to Faint Dry. <laughs> That's awesome. This looks good. I like it. I, I can't stop watching it. It's very soothing, actually. <laughs> yeah, like whale sounds. It's not like a... It's it's a very slow pulse. Yeah. yeah. With some nice warm colors. This is, this is good. A little mm. mood lighting for Archeon. Some slow, warm pulsing. Yes. <laughs> and there we go. Do you need to get anything else done? Or just mostly gaming and base? Mostly gaming and and I put putting Archeon together. He's nice. actually... And you were working on your Blood Bowl team last week. And working on the Blood Bowl, but nothing to completion, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, It's okay, you don't always have to get it done to completion. Yeah, it feels like I do, though. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes! I love it! Uh, How about you, Dan? <laughs> I'm just going to giggle about Mike uh, finishing yeah. for a while. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> no, I, didn't I don't know why I hang out with you guys, I swear to God. You're smiling. No, no, that's because I got sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, we do keep him fed full of candy. But, um... Yeah, I didn't really slap too much paint this week, but I got distracted and built more completely random assortments of Battletech models, as always. Generally, whenever I sit down to do anything productive, um, I end up building Shadow Cats instead or something. So Shadow yeah. Cats sounds like a bad '80s cartoon. I like it. Mm-hmm. Shadow, 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 Shadow Cats. Wasn't Mech Warrior also a bad '80s cartoon? Yeah. So it, may, it was a bad 1994 cartoon. If oh, was it? Ooh. Okay. But uh, yeah, so there wasn't wasn't a lot of paint going on, but definitely a lot of as always, just random building and clipping and magnetizing and basing and converting nice. and just random bullshit to avoid getting actual practical work done. Nice, yeah. I like that. You have to be in a February for that. This is not a test. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I plan on renaming the February. Months. Am I in this challenge? Did I agree to this? It's not. It, it wasn't like a thing for everyone, unless you want in on it. But our goal was to have our models for this is not a test done by the end of February. Yeah, Tom and I were just talking about. Hey, this is not a test. When are we going to be able to have painted models done? And we just sort of picked a date at random. Okay, so I don't have anything that I'm like going to have to like burn brushes for that I agree to. No, no. Okay, good. but if you want to play, this is not a test with those the painted models. Like, preferably dry brush some metallics between now and the end of February. Okay, done. Yeah. Okay, cool. So. I can do that. Well, isn't that what you were doing for those guys anyways? 100%. <laughs> Got a bunch of knockoff Forge World, uh, what were they, Admech Thralls or whatever? Something like that. Yeah, they're just going to get dry brushed. They're not great yeah. sculpts. Well, they're great sculpts. They're not great casts. <laughs> That's a great, very key distinction. I'm sure they're great recasts. Uh, not even, really. <laughs> two halves don't align, really. Oh. And they're a multi-part model. That's now recast in two halves. I don't know if I can stress this enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a head scratcher. But anyway, so basically, dry brush and smash pigments and hope for the best. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, that works. Uh, man, I painted a lot of Malifaux. Actually, I got all but one model from the Sky Pirate box done because there was no way in hell I was painting all three Skeeters before the weekend. Fair. Um, I painted the Sow, which is the three-headed pig that births piglets. So then I had to paint some more piglets to go with that. Seems like not a great in-game ability. Just gonna say. No, piglets are phenomenal. I feel like that would be a very slow and would leave you open to attack. Well, and when she dies, wounded piglets pop out so of her it's corpse. So it's just a pig turvagon. Oh, it is a turvagon. Yeah. It's not a, really a pig. It's a, it's a magical pig. It's Malifaux. Of course okay. it's a magical just, pig. Just check it. It has check. three heads and eight bo- ten 
12 boobs. Do How many do pigs actually have? Because I'm not sure that that's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never counted. It's not often that I'm staring at the chests of pigs. Well, I know they have more than two. That's the problem. So I don't actually know. It could be 12. That might be anatomically correct. Somebody's got to be. But the three heads right are not that's, at all. That is incorrect. So I had a fun moment, too, where I was putting them all together and the glue instantly cured on me. There's no accelerant on the model, but I've found this like, with some older glues that I have where it just dries in place really fast. And really? so the face was slightly off center, like the bottom jaw going in. So I'm like, well, I don't really feel like doing anything about this. So I just cut off anywhere that didn't quite line up with a knife and then covered it all in gore when it was done being painted. So you don't even notice. <laughs> nice. You gotta, like you gotta do. Because really thick to me, a uh, blood mix. Oh, it builds up texture. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and it becomes really black in the thickest areas, so. That is a pro tip. If you screw up putting a model together, put battle damage or gore on it, bam, problem solved. Yeah. It was always broken. Well, and like, I was, I was hanging out with, uh, Steve Hall was up from Calgary, and we were just hanging out painting models, because the War Machine event got cancelled on Saturday, so we just had a painting day, which is how I got all that stuff done. Oh, nice. Um... And we're just both laughing about, ha, I fucked this up. Guess what's getting smashed with pigments? I like that. Like, just really, like, leaning hard into the fact that we're painting game pieces. We had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, uh, that kind of leads into, like, I got the chance to play it out of the basement, which was a lot of fun, which may as well briefly talk about it. Uh, Malfo. I thought the event was canceled. For War Machine. Oh, Malfo was not. Correct. Uh, So I have a gutsy or goatsy for you guys. Go for it. You can't tell the goats here and gutsy until the end. Of the episode? Yes. Okay, so everyone has to, like, think about it? Yeah. Okay, so, but I do get to know your guys' thoughts. If you, if I briefly told you where you heard somehow, like, don't say anything, but... Um, I don't listen when you talk. That's what? fair. So, my goats, gutsy or goats, you remember back in Onslaught where I took a brand new army to a brand new game and actually did, like, really well? Yeah. So I was going for the repeat. Brand new army to a new game? Not to a new game, but it was a brand new crew to the Malifaux. Uh, So I took my Zip Sky Pirates. Uh, So I never really took the rules before. I kind of just guessed on crew composition and painted up things that I thought looked cool together thematically. And played some games. What do you guys think? Gutsy or Goatsy? Law of Averages said... Goatsy. Onslaught went well for you, so therefore... Goatsy. I actually know the answer to this, so I will abstain. So I'm gonna. We're both goatsy. We both have no faith in you. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, we'll keep everybody in suspense for a little while. We're gonna just deflate you. So is that everybody? Are we on to uh, shut up. We, we could. We should quickly uh, mention Ward got a boatload done. He's going to the LVO, and he got I think most. Can we of say his like shipload done? Shipload. He got I think most of his PHR fleet done. So that's nice. awesome. Yeah. Not just the one in the picture? No, he's got... That's the one done to completion. The rest of the stuff is playable done. Can we just... Like his uh, dystopian fleet. Very much like his dystopian so fleet. Or like his PHR last year for the <laughs> actual game. Or the... Not actual game, but commander. Can, can I just interject for a second? We've said to completion more times in this episode than any other episode. So I feel like the name of this episode has to be something about to completion. Okay, sure. We'll work on that after. It's not often that I ask for a name for an episode, but... The episode is not completed yet, so we have to wait. We have to wait until the episodes come to completion? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, dear. 
<laughs> All right. So, yeah, shut up and take my money. Uh, who wants to start? Well, mine's going to be something we talk about at the end of this episode. So, it's going to be the new Triumvirate. Yeah. Sure. Because uh, it's all Eldar, and they two of the models look incredible. Okay, I didn't know they were called another. Are they ca- actually called another Triumvirate? But I don't know. It, it's the the new Gathering Storm. Box. I really hope they call it Triumvirate because because uh, there's three models in it. Well, and it's also kind of like a reference to Rush, but oh, okay, or the Triumvirate of Rome. Oh, I made uh, tri- Holy Triumvirate or whatever jokes last time when you weren't here. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is he repeating my bad jokes from last time? Oh, he wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, so that's oh, the end. Clearly on the same way. High five. So that's my shit up and take my money. That's pretty obvious. I think everybody could have seen that one coming. What, new Eldar models? Yeah. Steve gets excited? Shocking. Is it? Wow. Are they, are they called like Eldari or Eldari or something weird? Now? I hope they're Eldari. Uh, <laughs> yeah, butchered the spelling of Eldar now? They're now A-E-L-D-A-R-I. Oh, I was really hoping for like Eldari, and then it's like sounds like something... Like Spanish? really, really bad Spanish milk. Like if you were like American <laughs> asking for dairy products down in Mexico, yeah, El Dario, yeah, <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, they're they're. We'll we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, that's that's part of it. We talk about Americans. taco about taco. Oh, yes. <laughs> bad jokes of plenty. Anybody else? I want to <sighs> jump off of this. There's too many bad jokes here. Too many. It's so good. Okay, Tom, what's your shut up and take money? Oh man, uh, I don't even know if I have one. I've been I've been trying really hard to not think about spending more money. Last little while, <laughs> just don't think, just do it. Don't think, just do. Let's say you won the lottery and you have all the monies to spend. All the monies to spend. Um, did I tell you guys that I order those backdrops for painting? Yes. Or for photos? Yes. Okay, because they're Kickstarter. Yeah, because they should be showing up any day now. Okay. Which is nice. Shut up and give me my parcel. Shut up and give me my parcel. Yeah. No We're going to skip from you. We're going to go on. No. Man. You know what? I've got one. Hmm. Uh, Blood Bowl Dwarves. Yeah? Yeah, they're coming over. Check out. And that, inj- that steam engine looks... Death Roller. Death, Death Roller. Roller. There we go. Looks so good. Yep. Yeah. That's a fair one. I'll give you that. You're drooling. I get a little bit again. That's, never mind. It's normal. I got it. That's it. <laughs> That's not drool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bradley. <laughs> Dan, what's yours? <laughs> Um, mine, I actually just put in an order the other day from, another one from Hassle-Free. Another one? Yeah. Do you so, own their entire range yet? No. Are you working just, on it? Just most of it. <laughs> but uh, I picked up another handful of the uh, resin masters of a number of miniatures they did. They just released the uh, not Trump and not Hillary Clinton. Oh, So the Trump, weird. it's like, he's basically half Trump, half Immortan Joe. So it's fucking awesome. And that's the, a little weird. And the Hillary Clinton one, she's basically like she's wearing the suit and petting the cat, and she's like Doctor Evil. That's kind of interesting. So I picked up those. There was actually a promotion briefly where it was like spend I think it was sixty pounds and you get one of those two models for free. Oh really? And resin masters for the most part off your site are like twelve pounds each, so it's not a terrible like that's actually a decent bit of discount right there. Yeah. So I picked up um, a couple of the This Is Not A Test Borderlands looking models that I forgot to get last time. Nice. And I picked up the not Lagertha and not um, Ragnar from Vikings. Uh, in gets, which scale? Uh, it's like 30 mil. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cause so there's, I didn't realize hassle-free did the small ones because I know there's a couple companies that do the Lagertha. Yeah, it's not like the big bust or any of the other large scale ones, but it's just them in like 28 or 32 mil or whatever, nice. whatever scale they're in. And, um, nice. 
he did. They did up the original ones, and then he also did them in more dynamic poses. But I just stuck to the original ones in the end. Nice. So I figured the dynamic charging ones, like if I wanted to put them together on a plinth or whatever, it's always a little bit more tricky to balance them if it's like a lot of dynamic movement. Yeah. But if it's just kind of like you know, he's got like his hands, like his thumbs, like hooked into his belt, and he's got like a sword and his axe, and she's like standing there with the axe and shield and stuff. So of course she has just, to have an axe and shield. That's required. Yeah. So just having those on like. Um, Possibly one of those fancy, you know, hunk of wood bases or something like that down the road. It just seemed like a fun painting project. I've always liked those models. Yeah. And they didn't sell out before I got around to buying them, which is awesome. That is cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I guess the the actual shut up and take my money from you was my new tattoo. Yeah, okay. True. Fair enough. That was not free. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, how about you? Uh, what is it? Shammer, uh, Shadows over Hammer Hall? The, Shadow- uh... Hall? It's a new battle tome for Storm, Stormcast Eternal. Oh, yeah. No, no, I thought this was the second age. Or is this the Silver Tower? Uh, like oh, the new okay. Silver Tower stuff. Oh, I thought you okay, were both. Sorry, those are they were both. Coming I, out. I yes. saw those things at the same time and I must have got the names confused. Yeah. But yes, the, that's right. I completely forgot there's a sequel to Silver Tower. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it is another. It's being billed as a standalone game. It looks like the models and the artwork are mostly existing heroes from Age of Sigmar but potentially with new bad guys and a new setting and stuff like that's that. That's awesome. So that sounds pretty sweet. So Mike, you have more stuff to paint so we can play with it. Yes, I know. <laughs> he knows the drill. <laughs> Actually, that should be good. We were talking about the And it comes with the uh, Swordfoot guy, the Dark Elf pirate. Ma- uh, not Malekith, uh, what's his name? I know what you're talking about. It's something with an M. He's just like the, he's actually just the Corsair, former Corsair captain. Guy yeah, but his, like, he's a special character and his name starts with an M. No, it's not the special character version. It's just a shitty plastic one where he has a sword for a foot. Yeah, it was not a special character. I don't think so. I thought it was. There was weird Cthulhu mask guy that was different. I mean, I don't know. I don't know my Dark Elf lore very well. Maybe they had two. Maybe character. they had two Corsair special characters, but I'm pretty sure Lokir Felhart was the Cthulhu mask guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And there's I'm new confused. Stormcast. Yes, there's the Stormcast oh. with like the fur pelts and the big crossbows. Rangers, and supposedly Rangers. They look yeah. super like Space Marines. They, because they a lot of people, a lot of people, and saw them and instantly were like, "Swap out for Volkite weapons, and you have Thunder Warriors." Mm-hmm. They could look good. Where do I find this? It's just <laughs> on the Warhammer Community website. Yeah, and, and there's supposed to be Griffin Riders too. I think, isn't there? There's a set of actually just the yeah. the, the little demi griffs or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. And there's like different breeds of them or whatever, but it, they're not being ridden. They're just like the like the pet ones that come with some of the characters. It seems to be just a box of five of them. Yeah, we needed them actually because yeah. the only way you could get it was buying heroes. Yes, there were ways one. there were ways to get units in the rules, but there are no ways to just buy those models. No. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I know some people are interested in 40k with all the. Zinch stuff that's been flying around. If you're into the competitive side of things, those make great Zinch themed. Um, what are they? The uh, flesh hounds because flesh hounds are super competitive. But if you want your whole army okay, to look still, so if you don't want the corn ones, yeah, if you don't want those models and you want to make it look a little more themey, but still have and you can avoid the corn dog jokes. Exactly, exactly, and they're really good models. They're way better than the corn models. So Ooh. super cool. A new Iron Warriors book. Yep, that's a thing. <laughs> like Black Library novel. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Corpse Road. It's probably a road full of corpses, I'm guessing. They haven't been that really? good with you're, their you're going with that? illusions lately. I'm like kind of full of Cadia. No, 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 no. What it needs to be <laughs> is like Mad Max Fury Road, but with Iron Warriors. Mm. That makes no sense. Considering they love to assault fortifications and aren't really about going super fast. 
Well, the the <laughs> war rig never went that fast. It's true. That's why they got caught. It was kind of like a continual siege on wheels. It's kind of true. But not really true. <laughs> Come on! I'll give it to you, because it's an awesome movie. Yeah, just because it's... And Robot Hand. Just because it's new. You guys see that thing for Gangs of Kimura? Yes. Yes. Welcome to GW, like, a month ago, man. The, the Hellions... talk about this? The Hellions and Reavers uh, get board game in the sky. Yeah. I kind of want to pick it up, but the problem is, is I don't need any of the models. Yeah, because you already have and them it, all painted. Yeah. And they didn't come up with one plastic sprue for the spires. They just used cardboard ones. Yeah. and I was, If they were plastic, they would like, one sprue, just put in, like, four of it. It would have been so easy. We did actually talk about this. I'm not sure if it was on the podcast, but I was chatting about this, where if they came out with those Dark Eldar spires, like, as actual terrain... That would be so fucking cool. Yeah, like the 1998 version of me thinks cardboard scenery is the best, but then there's the rest of me. Well, then there's all the GW scenery they've been doing lately that looks so good and has such a good Imperium theme. Yeah. Give us some Xenos yeah, stuff. Yeah, I've been, I've been saying that for years where they need some plastic Xenos. Like, yeah, yeah they, did, they did the Tau fortifications. We'll give them that. The, the Tau aesthetic, though, is not typical Grimdark. Like, it yeah. is... It is very Tau, but it, it doesn't have the same traditional 40K feel, where, like, they could have done Chaos scenery or uh, even Tyranid scenery or, or Dark Eldar or Eldar. That kind of stuff is a little more 40K-ish in my mind than the Tau stuff. Tau is very sort of just generic shapes. Honestly, Tau scenery looks like it's better suited for Infinity. In a lot of ways, it does, yeah. Yeah, with the simple geometric shapes kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But anyways... If they would have done those spires, I would have put that, that game up in a second. You know what would have been the coolest thing? Because we're not on topic anyways. And honestly, I think our main topic is going to be pretty quick today. Okay. But could you imagine if they had released a add-on sprue for the Cities of Death that was like Tyranid Corrupted? Yeah. Not even its own full kit. Just like an add-on sprue of tiles you could throw yeah. in here and there. And the thing they've always so done. So the way though. they did the Dean Steeler cult conversion kits for the miniatures just did it for scenery. Yeah, that same idea. But the the thing that they've always done with the like Xeno scenery, like they did have Tyranid scenery in one of the starter boxes, except it was just those little digestion pools and like the puckered sphincters. The, yeah. the things that were not like they embellished your game table, but they weren't really they weren't interacted with or, yeah. or yeah. did anything cool. They were no spiky cacti. Yeah, the only thing I can think of for that was wasn't Forge World did some feeding capillaries. Yeah, they did briefly, but those have been out of print forever. Yeah. That was like the only Tyranid thing I can think of. There's been never been Eldar terrain. Well, that's not true. There was White Dwarf, Webway Portal. Do you remember that thing? I don't remember the Webway Portal. I remember they had, like, the little, like, what do you call it? The little, like, looking thing? I have one. It's like, a, yeah, it's just literally like an obelisk-type thing. It's it's really kind of poor, but they, I think they <laughs> built it as a Webway Portal or something, like, way back. Just that little shitty yeah, it was pyramid from thing on a... Yeah. All card? Yeah, that was, I think, the only Eldar terrain. I feel like it, could, it couldn't have been that hard to do, basically, Stargate in cardboard. Probably not. They should they should get off their ass and make <laughs> cardboard Stargate. We're long overdue. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that, that would be cool with Gangs of Kimura. I think they missed the boat on that. And yeah. I do want the rules, because they've been really good with their board games. Like, I know you've picked up what, pretty much all their board games, Mike. Have I? All the Silver Tower stuff, have Oh, the you? Silver Tower, yeah. You've yeah. got Silver Tower. The box. What else did you pick up? I thought you had all of them. Okay, it uh, depends what you consider. But like all Death Watch, Overkill. No, I didn't get that one. Did, oh. you, did you get the Bloodborne, Bloodbound one? I got. Oh no, I didn't. I did because I had them already. Oh yeah, of course. So you're in the same boat with your with those guys as I am with, with the Kamora. Yeah, it's like yeah. why would I buy it now because I have all of them already? 
Yeah. That's, yeah. But it's a really good deal for stuff you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Reaver <laughs> jet bikes are good, and I could use more. I've always wanted to do the full list of Reaver jet bikes. Like, maxed out, that's all I bring. But at the same time, I also don't really care that much to do that. <laughs> and do you really want to paint, like, another 20 Reaver jet bikes? You know, I think it only actually comes with six. I think it comes with... 10 Hellions and 6 Reaver Jet Bikes, or maybe it's 20 and 12. It's remember. not a huge model count, I don't think. No, it's not a lot. Which is too bad. Alright, okay, so, have we all... Yes, I think we're way off topic here. I think we've spent all the dollars. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> let's talk about some green stuff. Sure. Okay, so I'm not going to be much use in this topic, because I haven't used green stuff in probably over 5 years. You're weird. Really? Yeah. For sure. Like liquid green stuff? Yep, I've used it recently. Bro, Ward just rolled over in his grave. But regular green stuff? Nope. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kind of in stunned silence right yeah. now. Yeah, like. Wow. The last time I used it is I don't even you hobby were, and I use it. When you were here, Dan, the last time living in this house was when the last time I used it, and I haven't bought green stuff since I worked at GW. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Over 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, because. It's been over ten years since I worked at GW. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't have much to contribute here. Well, fortunately, <laughs> we're not. I don't think we're, we're really wanting to approach it from a standpoint of giving too much in depth. Um, this is how you use green stuff. I think we were kind of hoping to talk a little bit more because Games Workshop green stuff is surprisingly expensive for how much you're getting. And so we want to maybe talk about some of the alternative ways you could get green stuff and what other sources there are. And then maybe one or two kind of more general tips or tricks that might kind of help people in the right direction. Because fundamentally, there's nothing that I can really say into a microphone that's going to help you that much with green stuff. You just have to practice. Okay, well, here's a good question for somebody that doesn't use it. What do you guys use green stuff for? I've been using it a lot lately for sculpting on bases, and then that ALF project had a lot of sculpting green stuff fur. Okay, Mike? Gap filling is most of what I use it for. Or if something's wrong with the hairline, I want to extend it, or something simple. I I don't... My sculpting skills are lacking. Yeah, generally me too. I'm really bad. But I did learn that the rubber tools work best when you're doing gap filling. Yes. Really? Yes. They don't stick and they're super smooth. You know what I use for gap filling? Super glue. <laughs> yeah. Even accelerant. Burn the heretic. Yeah. Break the accelerant because <clears throat> you need to make sure it doesn't run anywhere before. Well, no, you should do the old technique of uh, using plastic cement and then just filing it and then it fills in. Oh, God. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah, that's, that's a really gnarly technique, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, Dan, why don't... Uh, well, um, I've been using green stuff off and on over the years. I've had phases of being really ambitious with green stuff. Like I've done, I've done quite a bit of like surface level detail sculpting. There have been a few models where I've done stuff like sculpting like a layer of cloth or a cloak or hair or something onto a model. Um, I haven't done too much stuff in terms of like literally building up from an armature the way a professional like legit sculptor would do it. But yeah, I've done everything from detail sculpting to uh, the gap filling or like on some of the Battletech models when I cut and repose them I basically like chop the knee off and it's either 3d printed or brittle resin so generally the entire knee is like completely fucked at that point so you just pin it and then sculpt like the entire knee yep. structure back together yep and usually people can't tell that I've done it so I'm doing something right 
that's not bad. But so I've been using a lot more green stuff lately for, yeah, for all kinds of things. Like I hadn't sculpted for a couple of years and now I'm using it basically anytime I'm picking up a knife to um, like clean or prep a model, I'm doing some sort of sculpting on it. So when you talk about reposing a knee, that reminds me the last time I did sculpt was the Wraith Seer with his bent knee. Hmm. That was it. So that would have been, yeah, about that five years ago. That was quite a while ago. Wow. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that, that actually does work surprisingly well and is kind of easy to do depending on the model that you're sculpting is just to change the way the knees are bent. It's yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. Especially on Space Marines too, like either just green stuffing up a shin pad or the like the piping in behind yeah. the knee. Because all you're going to do is cut out the easy. knee pad and then basically repose it and just fill it in. Yeah. And it's so much yeah. easier too if, it's, if it is a part that you happen to have a spare of. So, like, maybe not a your leg or something like that. Yeah. But if you can kind of, like, cut it roughly on one side to p- make sure you preserve the lower and cut the other one to make sure you preserve, preserve the upper. Yeah. You can sometimes, like... And then sort of thin it down from there. Yeah. So instead yeah. of having to make that one, like, absolutely perfect surgical cut, you can just have one throwaway part for the top, one throwaway part for the bottom, and just make one whole real piece out of it. Yeah, it makes sense. But Cool. So now that we know what you guys use it for, so I, I, tell me about where to buy it. Or even a really good question, starting with, is like, what is green stuff? Because I think a lot of people will, will understand it's a two-part epoxy, but I honestly didn't even realize until we were having this conversation the other day exactly what either part was doing in the green stuff. That's yeah. a good point. Yep. It's, um, well, I don't know chemically what's going on, because I'm not a wizard. Well, do we want to talk about like organic chemistry reactions on this podcast? Because that might be a bit of a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I would certainly have nothing to add to that. But, um, yeah, so basically it is a two-part epoxy, so you have the different chemicals, and it's actually, if you notice the strip is generally, it looks like the dividing line is off-center. I recently learned that that is actually deliberate, because the manufacturer website um, for looking at green stuff, it actually says it's supposed to be 1.5 parts yellow to one part blue. So if it looks like it's slightly off-center, that's on purpose, so you don't need to, like, throw out a little bit of the yellow to make it one-to-one, like I always So you just literally cut down the middle or uh, like just, yeah, a section off, just cut your section off and it's it's generally actually not a bad mm-hmm. idea too really quickly to where the two um, halves are meeting the blue and the yellow you can actually cut that narrow strip out because it's starting to cure already where the two are touching yeah so you can sense. get like chunks, ask about that you can get chunks in your green stuff that way if you're doing really fine or if it's really thin sculpting you notice it i never want chunks in my green stuff never no but <laughs> uh, yeah so basically the by adjusting the ratio, because it doesn't have to be a perfect one and a half to one to cure properly. Mm-hmm. And actually, you can adjust the mixture a little bit depending on what you're doing. Um, if you are doing more of the, if you're mixing more of the blue in, it actually cures faster and harder. Hmm. And so obviously the opposite if you're going with the yellow. The yellow seems to be a little bit more adhesive as well. So if you're having a little bit of trouble with the green stuff not sticking to the surface of your model... Or, like, if you're doing, like, a plastic model that has, like, a, like a smoother <coughs> texture, you might want to yep. do more of the yellow kind of thing. Yeah, you could try a little bit more yellow to, um, you know, you could try a little bit more yellow to just have it adhere a little bit better. You'll have to be a little bit more careful about using a bit of lubricant on your tools so that they don't stick to the surface of the putty. Mm. But, um, yeah, so basically the, any, anyway, you mix the two thoroughly together to make your green. Depending on the mixture, it'll either cure a little bit faster, a little bit slower. But, um, yeah, when it cures, it is like substantially hard and um you know it well it's designed actually for using like i think for plumbing repair and stuff like that so it's fairly tough and durable and all that good stuff and yeah and so if you're looking for green stuff and looking for alternate sources what's the actual name of the product 
Because uh, green stuff's more of just kind of a, a nickname for it. Yeah, it's generally called um, Nidatite Blue Yellow. So the green stuff, it's like right on the uh, manufacturer website, they do use you know green stuff in quotation marks as part of the name, but Nidatite on is... On the manufacturer's uh, website? Like it's not... Like it, it is an actual thing. It's not a GW term. No, this is like really? polymericsystems.com. dot <laughs> huh. Okay, so an actual like epoxy manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So, because realistically, every everywhere that I've seen selling rebranded uh, green stuff, the the ribbons or the tubes of it look identical. They just have a different logo on. Huh. I had no so idea. I'm sure that is just one wholesaler that they do the manufacturing. They sell that makes it to everybody. sense. It's the same thing. I'm I'm assuming with most of GW's like hobby products, like their super glues, that kind of thing, yeah. or something else. Like, they're a small enough manufacturer, they're not going to produce that on their own. Yeah, somebody else is just, yeah. you know, using special packaging or whatever for them. For and sure. This is very much the same thing. And um, so basically, when, once you've used your green stuff, once you've sculpted and all the rest of it, it generally has a working time of about an hour. After that, it really stops. You start losing that ability to impact the surface detail very well. It doesn't adhere to the surface very well at all. So you basically have approximately that one hour of working time, maybe a little bit more or less, depending on your mixture. And um, after I think it's four to six hours, you get a pretty solid cure in terms of like the model won't break. It won't like if you handle it, it won't uh, pick up any details or anything. And it will completely cure basically in 20 to 24 hours. Really? I didn't realize it took that long to completely cure. Yeah, so it's, and it will depend, I guess, a little bit on, probably on the thickness and stuff as well. Like, big, huge amounts of it might take a little bit longer. So are you not supposed to sculpt, like, if you're building up a model, and Mm -hmm. you have, like, a general surface texture, and then you're going to do hair on top of that, should you wait that 24 hours for it to cure before you throw on the top layer? Generally, unless you're really good, um, it's not a bad idea to do, uh, like, do multiple stages of your sculpting. So, like, the way that a lot of... But, uh, like, literally wait the full day. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you could get away with overnight or something as well, depending on exactly what you're doing. But um, if you're handling the model a lot or doing a lot of extensive work, you can get that. If the underneath layers start shifting or whatever, you can get off your armature. You can you can start having other weird like deformations of the final like so shape and proportions. They do cure at differential rates in terms of like shrinkage or anything like that. Does that happen? Uh, this is, I believe Nidatite is supposed to have less than 1% um, change in volume as it So cures. that still will affect if you have a layer on top of it. That would so be it will, it will be barely noticeable, but that's why a lot of people as well also don't recommend priming a miniature right away after using green stuff. It's not a bad idea to wait a couple hours. Because you might end up with a couple cracks. you might end up with a tiny little bit of like weird surface texture or cracking. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's it's sense. virtually no shrinkage, but it's probably not literally zero shrinkage. Gotcha. Okay, significant, cool. significant I'm learning things. Shrinkage, right? Yeah. But um, actually, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, in all honesty, like there's a lot of this stuff I'd never even thought of before. It's just kind of yeah. mix two together, sculpt, smash things. it into the knee that I once did yeah. ages ago, <laughs> right? But yeah. So to return to that uh, previous point about the layering, the way a lot of um, professional sculptors and stuff will go is they won't necessarily sculpt. The entire miniature, including all the layers of detail, in one go. So they might like, um, you know, solder together an armature, bulk out like a little bit of green stuff around it to kind of like make a rough skeleton in the rough proportions. Let that cure overnight. They can go back the next day. Like Kev from Hassle Free will then sculpt all of the, like the anatomical details. Like do the musculature. Let that cure the next day. He might come back and do like cloth and armor. Let that cure. Then come back and do the face Hmm. and hair. That sort of thing. Often the face will be one day, the hair will be the next. Because you can actually you can do that every step of the way. Is you can get build up a slightly smaller version of the final shape, wait for it to cure so that it's not going to deform while you're working over top of it, 
and then yeah, go and do your surface level details afterwards. So depending on the com complexity of the model, you might have to do it in four or five stages and basically take a week to do it. So patience is definitely a virtue when working with this stuff. It is a lot trickier if you're trying to do, yeah, if you're trying to do like a head with hair and with a helmet and all this other stuff all in one step, you're probably, in addition to battling the working time of the material, like it's going to be hard to finish in an hour to work it to completion. completion. Yes! <laughs> It will. It'll also be tricky, just in terms of yeah, getting the the deformations, and they'll be potentially ruining one part of the model by working on the other if you don't let it yeah. cure. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so patience, yeah, definitely worth uh, exercising there. So now that I know how it works, where can I finally buy this stuff? Well, there's um, generally most hobby stores will carry um, one brand or another. Whether it's the GW stuff, Gale Force, Gale Force Nine. Nine, or some of the other hobby companies, they're all generally selling the same stuff. The difference is in the size of the packaging. So if you're getting if you're getting the small ribbon of green stuff, a lot of the time, like a lot of those little blister packs of it for around 10 or 15 bucks, you might only get like six inches of ribbon, which if you're doing a lot of basing or some of the more extensive uses for it, that won't go very far. So if you're gonna be using a shit ton of green stuff, there's actually, again, from, from the uh, primary manufacturer and some of these resellers have it as well, you can actually get tubes of this stuff. So instead of getting this really thin, fine ribbon, like a roll of tape sort of a thing, you just get literally just giant tubes of this stuff. It is substantially more, um, you know, volume per dollar sort of a thing. And there's a couple of hobby sites um, that we were looking at that uh, that sell green stuff and sculpting products. One of them that actually, you know, funny enough, judging by the name, they actually have a lot of really good sculpting and other hobby materials. It's uh, greenstuffworlds.com. So yeah, they, it makes sense. They makes sell, sense. they do sell green stuff. They sell some other sculpting materials as well. They sell sculpting tools. They um, sell like basing pads and rollers and God knows what. They have so much stuff on there. It looks really, really good. And um, they also like you can order like six, twelve, eighteen, thirty-six inch ribbons of it, or you can just get those big tubs of it where I think they might be selling them by like hundred gram increments or something like that. It's They've got a lot of that stuff, and you can get, again, substantially more bang for your buck if you're getting it by the tubes rather than the ribbon. And as well, um, the tube, it's kind of like you get one cylinder of the yellow, one cylinder of the blue. They're not touching each other, so you don't have to cut out that center strip. Yeah, so they're, they're not mixing more. together in the package, right? Yeah, makes sense. If you really like the ribbon, you can actually, I was looking up the other day, if you look up Nita-type, you can actually get it at places like Home Depot. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And you Makes can sense. get it in crazy lengths for super cheap. Other place that has really good price on it is Amazon. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Again, you look for Nita-type and not green stuff, and anywhere that sells anything to do with construction supplies or um, any of those DIY kind of places should well, have it. Yeah, right? especially the plumbing area. Yeah, yeah for sure. absolutely. So Because yeah. it's just an epoxy putty. Yeah. Cool. And uh, one of the only things, I guess, to keep in mind with buying it, like, in insane bulk is the stuff doesn't have an infinite shelf life. Like, the... Because over... Depending on when I'm in my, like, weird little hobby funks and, you know, don't do a lot of hobby stuff for 6 or 12 months at a time, which happens, there have been times where I've gone back to, like, use several-year-old green stuff years down the line, and the stuff is just, like, rock hard. So eventually, if you're buying it in those, like, crazy high volumes it might go bad on you, so you don't necessarily need to go completely overboard. Like, maybe buy a little more than you think you need, but you don't necessarily need to buy, like, by the kilogram. 
And if you do have dead green stuff, one trick that I have found works to kind of bring it back. It's light it on fire. Almost. Close. Mix it under running hot water. Really? Like, when you're kneading it together, go to, go to a tap, run some hot water, hmm. and it makes it more malleable. Makes sense. It is a plastic at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've heard of people warming it up for, like, a couple of seconds in the microwave, but I don't know if I trust that. No, uh, seriously. Seems like just, a bad idea. Just hot water in the tap. <laughs> and the other, the other nice thing about that, too, is that none of it's going to get stuck to your fingers. Because you've got that, the water's running, it, it works really well with yeah, old green stuff. Makes sense. It, I do it all the time. That makes sense. Okay, before we move on, real quick question. What's the weirdest thing you've ever sculpted in green stuff? Oh, we all know you the just, answer to this one. You just, oh, need, no. you just want me to tell the story. I do, but I have one that's even weirder. Do you remember the hairy turd? <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that help it abomination? I do. Yeah, it lived up to the name. Uh, is it on the shelf still? No, it's it's in a box somewhere. It, I might be in the trash even. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that was so gross. That help it before the plastic help it came out. That thing was a piece of work. Like covered in static <laughs> so grasses, gross. fur, and like it was disgusting. I tried to make it as gross as possible, and I it think I won. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> It was literally like a burnt turd covered in fur. Now, Dan, please tell me your story, because I know this one, too. Sculpting Wood Elf Great Stag Penis with my mouth. <laughs> I sculpt, Well, I sculpted most of that miniature, to be fair. Like, I was based on the Dark Elf Pegasus that I think Marathi was on. Sometimes you need to smooth some anatomy. And so I had and to, you like... have a tough time reaching in there. Yeah, so, like, the whole model, I, like, I bulked it all out, because it was a stag rather than a Pegasus, so it was, like, much... More muscular. It actually had, had the, rules too. Had it the fur big. texture that I sculpted all over, where the original one was just like smooth. Yep. But then I decided that to be a stag, it should probably have junk, and it's rearing up on its hind legs and everything. So it. But yeah, the we rest should move on. You, you, let you. We understand now. I had to burnish the texture. To I'm trying to remember where off. where you did that. That was in your basement. That was in my basement. Oh. Pretty sure. All right. Moving on to period two. Pretty sure. Okay, so now that we've talked about green stuff, uh, and I was <laughs> I, I was trying to be a little bit more vague when talking about where I'm using most of mine, which is like for basing. Um, but I lucked out a while ago, and there's a company that did a Kickstarter a few years ago, years ago called Basius, and they yep. do these large um, base stamps. And they're basically, what, about five inches by five inches? Something like that. Uh, and they've got texture on both sides. So what are they made out of? They're Big resin. chunk of resin. Big yep. chunk of resin. And what you do is you put the green stuff on the base, push the base into the st- into the stamp, and when you take it off again, you have a fully textured base. And I've got a few different styles, one of which is great for uh, Malifaux. It's got, like, tiles and yeah. a bit of ruins and looks very Victorian kind of style. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's much more steampunky with some gears, and there's one that looks... Uh, it's got the hex pattern on the bases, so it'd be really good for a game like Infinity. Yep. Um, and I've been finding lately that that's been a really nice way to get great-looking bases. For with, cheap. And with, I've found, minimal fucking effort. Yeah, it's not bad. I saw uh, Roy had some out of Thunderground, was trying them out, and it is super easy to do. I thought it was going to be a huge pain, but when you talk about, like, it's really only one more step beyond doing uh, a resin base. Like, you, you literally just have to knead up one tiny ball of resin for each base. Or takes two stuff? seconds. Or, sorry, yeah, green stuff. It takes two seconds to do that, and then you just push it into the pad. It's done. It's so yeah. easy. And so one of the things that I found uh, has really helped me with it is I'll keep a clean palette, like one of those... Uh, 
Because for my palettes, I normally just use the comic book covers. Yep. So I'll get a fresh one out of those, and I roll up the green stuff into a, into a ball on that, and then I'll actually put it in the middle of the base and then push it down onto that purely flat, smooth surface so that it's almost... It's already pushed out. So right it's here. already pushed out yeah. 90% of the way, yeah. and because I start with the ball and push on the flat surface, I have a perfectly smooth, round edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then with that little bit of extra gap, you push it into the base, it pushes it out more... Yeah, and you actually have a great finish on the base. Yeah, and if you have some of the uh, some of the other pads that have a little more raised detail, once you do that, you can just add a little more resin in that area that does have the raised detail and build it back up. Like it's really easy to go back and work the the. I keep saying resin, the green yeah. stuff. <laughs> yep, the green Epoxy, stuff uh, to to get to the texture that you want. Like it's it's something you can come back to and play with a little bit, which is which is super cool. Yeah, and the the other thing that was a real easy eye opener, if you fuck it up, that's what sand is for. Just cover that shit up; it'll be fine. Yep. Or like yep. any other texture you'd normally use on a base, just cover with that. It's fine. Yeah. If so, if anybody hasn't seen these basing pads, because they were one of they were on Kickstarter a long time ago. I feel yeah, like it's a number been, of years ago now. Yeah, probably when Kickstarter was relatively new, frankly. Or at least uh, when miniature gaming using Kickstarter was relatively yeah, new. Yeah, that's probably a better point. Uh, but they had some crazy stuff. Like, do you remember the the dice that were, like, coming through the the planet surface kind of thing? They had, like, actual gaming dice embedded in one of these basing pads. Yeah. I do recall. That was, like, they had everything. Like, you name what yeah, they had surface. Like, jungle plants yeah. and trenches and, like, spaceship deck plating and stuff like that. Like, there was... yeah. Tons of variety. And when you start adding up the cost of buying up a couple basing pads versus doing all the, like, the micro-art resin bases... Or secret weapon. Or secret or weapon or whatever, it's stupid to buy the resin bases. Like, it's it's crazy. To Especially when you yeah. can buy cheap green stuff, as per the previous discussion. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there is some issues that you can't get with, like, uh, versus a resin base. Like, you can't get the, the undercut or, like, the overhang is easy. Uh, but that's not something you need on every model. And a lot of those basing pads have tie in somewhat to a resin based manufacturer. Like you can get those centerpiece models with oh, yeah. resin based to, to stand out and you can save a ton of money. Like if I would have had a, that lava basing pad for my resin bases that I did for my Eldar, that would have made so much more sense. Cause I wouldn't have had to worry about like doing a custom base for the Wraith Knight or the Hemlock. Cause they didn't make it in that size yet. I could just do what I want. The other thing to really keep in mind, too, is that when you're buying resin bases, most companies only manufacture 10 different ones. Exactly, at yeah. 30 mil or 25 mil, whatever you're using. Yeah, and with these bases, fewer variants, too. Yeah, and these pads... As, and this is what kills me. Base is this is what kills me, because these ones are my favorites, and they don't make them anymore. I was fortunate enough to buy them secondhand. Well, that's so, too bad. so if you're looking to sell any more, let me know. Um, but on that 5x5, five five, you could very comfortably do... I would say 30-plus unique bases. Oh, easily. And then on top of that, you can also shift them to have you know overlap from each base. So yeah. you, you can actually do more, in my opinion. You can yeah, I was being more. very conservative yeah, saying like if that. You, if you put an individual base across the entire pad, sure, 30 separate ones. But then, yeah, you can shift them around so that it's almost infinite, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is And the thing that's really cool about it, too, is that the way the patterns are done up is it looks kind of like five inches worth of area. So it's not like there's any of these weird breaks where it doesn't make sense yeah. for it to be done. Yeah. You can pick any spot and go. Yeah. You're like, I kind of like how this detail is going to look. Boop. Done. Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you do like an entire unit, it helps on a if you say cut. boop. Yeah, the boop is the critical step here, you guys. <laughs> Don't yeah. fuck this one up. The, yeah, if you if you did a squad wow. on that basing pad, they all look uniform. So it's it's good. Makes a lot of sense. Now, what I was going to ask is, do you do any mold release agent, or have you had any issue with green stuff? being stuck in the basing pad honestly all i've had to do up to this point is i will just have my cup of water like when i'm working with green stuff and then i'll just like take like dip my fingers in the water kind of rub them around on the pad and then just stick it on Um, for some of the more complex details i can see using just some kind of oil or or actual mold mold release agent because you can get that yeah or doing resin stuff which is super cheap yeah, it would probably be nice. Yeah, it's but really, especially for the more simple, the simpler details, water's all you need because that'll prevent the yeah. green stuff from sticking. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now the other basing pads that I've seen are not the the hard resins type. They're, They're vulcanized rubber. Vulcanized rubber. Um, yep. I've tried them, but not in the typical sense with green stuff. What I've used the basing pad that I have for is on styrofoam. So what I have is a textured uh, cobblestone uh, vulcanized rubber pad that you just tap with a light mallet over styrofoam. Yeah. And it works incredibly well for doing terrain. Yeah. So if you want to do cobblestone walkways or whatever else you got going on, that's a really good way to, to sculpt in that detail on instead of having to buy. You remember the plastic card cobblestone? Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. So it was expensive and not super. great. Yeah. And you, if you had to try and cut it and sculpt it so it would match up perfectly, this you can just put down the pad, smack it with a mallet, and then move the pad so it overlaps. It got a little bit of overlap on each side, so you just sort of make the next texture, and you can do literally an entire board huh. uh, if you wanted to. Um, so that's another way to use these basing pads in a slightly different material. So you can use it for your army as well as for terrain. For the vulcanized rubber ones anyways. The basius, if you have them, will not work for that. I think you could do it for terrain. You could lay down a ton of... The problem is they have a lip. Yeah. But you could do an area of that sort of style if you wanted to around the board. Like if you had some sort of like... I'm trying to think of the basius pad that would... The one that they had with uh, the the rift sort of in the middle. Do you remember, do you know what I'm talking about? It looked like they had like a crater. Okay. Like a larger one. You could do that in the same sort of like have a crater here and then sort of blend the edges out and then do that on another part of your team. Yeah. But the, there is like a mill or yeah. about a mill lip. Yeah. Kind of up around it. That would make it really hard for that. But that well, being said, you can play around with it. And, and the best part about these kind of products, it's all about playing with it and having fun. Mm-hmm. And do you want to talk about, uh, the happy seppuku ones, Mike. I don't know anything about. Them. I've never used them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the happy seppuku is. Uh, well, happy seppuku are. Uh, they have dozens. They're they're smaller. I think they're what? I think they were three inch by three inch or something like that. They're okay. the vulcanized rubber, but they have them for like we were briefly looking through them, and. It was way more options than I could possibly imagine. Really? I've never even heard of this company. Yeah, I've heard of them before. Like, they do wood plank ones. They have, let's see if I can just pull it up here. Right? No, I totally skipped out of it for uh, Warhammer Community. But anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, no, there's there's dozens of different styles, uh, and it's really nice. Yeah, just to, like, rattle a couple off, I just pulled it up on uh, the computer here. So they have, they do have, like, flagstone, cobblestone, uh, broken ground, snow, mud, asphalt, catwalk, Random plate, regular plate, diamond plate, like diamond and dot, tile hex square, and that's like forty percent of the catalog. 
Really? So they have like ruins slash urban jungle, tile roof, so whatever thatch you want. roof. Like they've got it all. Roof. That's roof. That's bizarre. <laughs> they would have a roof for a basing t- type system. That seems very strange. Anyways. And let alone having multiple kinds of roof. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but they're all there. Uh, and they're yeah. cheap. What were they, like five euros each or something? I believe so. Well, it makes sense that they'd be about the same cost as a base. So it might like these a, stamps actually from the pictures of them they look an awful lot like um, very similar to the one that you have upstairs, Steve. Mm. It might just be a slightly different size. Now that one is custom made. That one was I custom. Yeah, yeah. You can you can make them yourselves. It's not very hard to cast up uh, uh, vulcanized rubber. Like you literally just have to have the texture somewhere on a gaming table and you pour it on the table and you're done. You have your pad. Fair enough. So you can you can do that. But yeah, these are yeah these are just five dollars US per stamp and they're generally three inches by three inches that's not bad so you can out of let's just see how many are on the web store one two three four five six uh column or six columns six seven (laughs) eight nine so it's yeah it's (coughs) like they have like 40 or 50 different um products on your math are good (laughs) sorry not all of them not all of them are pads they have like actual bases and like different mold products as well so it's it's not the full, like, 54 or however many in there. Some of the... I did, yeah. There's about 45. But either way, there are literally dozens of different textures from medieval to fantasy to nature to deck plating. You name it. Cool. That's awesome. And you could get, for the cost of, like... Because the basiest gaming pads and some of those big brick or resin ones, those must have been, like, 50 bucks each. Like, they were not cheap. Uh, I don't know. I think they were in around the 20 to 20 to 40, but maybe it was just when they were being resold after the Kickstarter and people were gouging. I can't I totally speak didn't to get gouged. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I don't think they were that bad in the Kickstarter. But, but compare this to buying resin bases. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. think is the big thing here cuz Well, yeah, you pay 5 bar- 5 dollars for a resin base. And the That's nice thing about the 3 inch by 3 inch, I don't think that would accommodate colossals. No, that was because three inches can only be seventy pattern across. Yeah, you can feather the pattern and tile it across if you want to for those bases. But anything short of those like hundred and twenty mil or larger, yeah, you can do with these bases. Yeah, you yeah. can just stamp a dreadnought base right in the center of three by three, and there you go. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they're a cool product. Uh, I haven't used them enough to say whether or not they're something that oh will become God. part of my arsenal. I okay. think you should try them. I, and I would. I'd like to. Apparently on their website, I didn't notice this before, but they have a very limited selection of six-inch base pads as well. No. Oh, shit. And they are $12. That's not bad at all. So oh, my have, God. See, the problem is with, with basing in this day and age with the modern like hobby supplies, there's so many good products out there that this is just one amongst many. Like the new GW Texture Paints, you can do yep. your own bases with that cost-effectively. Mm, yeah, you can. Yeah. yeah, you can. No, I think, I think where that falls apart is the cost. Because no, those texture, texture paints, paints are expensive. They do as a fuck. lot of bases. They may not be as cheap as that, but they still do a lot of bases. 100%. And you don't have to. And you don't have to buy the green stuff. And you don't have to yeah. buy the other tools. Like it's. Yeah. No, I'm I saying there's a saying. lot no. of ways to go about doing basing this day and age. That's really good. This is just another one of them. And this one just like really happened to stand out just because we found it and we were like, "Holy shit! It's five dollars a pad." Yeah. That is entirely bad. reasonable. Like yeah. get ten. Yeah. Get a variety. Yeah, and that's the thing. As, especially, I'm imagining it's, it's shipping from the states if they're charging in the states, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Let's see shipping information within U.S. three dollar flat rate. Canada because <laughs> they're sending it in the mail. Canada slash Mexico seven dollar flat rate. Anywhere else in the planet, they're sending 12, it in a letter. Twelve dollar flat rate. Yeah, because it's in in a in a pad, they just mail it in a letter. 
Yeah, or like a bubble meal. Yeah. yeah. No problem. $7 flat to Canada is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and then so that also touching back to Green Stuff World, they had the rollers. And the neat thing about those is it's got just the cylinder with the texture around the outside. Yeah. And I think that is the one that's probably going to be the most versatile for maximizing surface texture on places where you wouldn't normally be able to make it work. Because you just roll it along, reset beside, roll it along. Yeah. Any weird irregular areas, cover it in some ballast or sand, and you're good to go. Yeah, the, yep. the rollers don't seem to have the same, at least not many of them, they don't have um, the sandy, like, kind of rubbly detail on them. They seem to have a lot more of, like, tile and deck work and other repeating patterns. Because the pattern just loops around the roller, right? So if you just want, like, um, yeah, tile work that is, like, infinitely repeating, you could have, like, a huge sheet of green stuff or putty. But it doesn't necessarily have... Yeah, the detailed, like, bumpy sand and rock texture. So. Yeah, because that would be a lot harder to do with a roller. But again, if this is one of the tools in your arsenal, you're doing that shit anyways. You can put some rocks, you can put some sand, or other bits of rubble or detail. Yeah, gluing some ballast onto a base is not hard. No. <laughs> and no Sculpting cobblestones a little bit, like, that's the part you want to worry about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's really nice. I honestly, if I was going to... I think we can probably... Wrap it up. I give these products a five. I, I can't, I haven't used them enough to say either way. So I'm going to abstain from my, my rating right now until I get a chance to try them out a little more. Okay. Assuming they're as easy to use as I say they are. Oh, yeah. No, it makes sense. The cost effective <laughs> side of things alone would be probably at least a four or five. Yeah, 100%. But again, I don't know how much I would use them. I wonder, I want to know how much time it saves me versus doing. Uh, like practically, like how much sand am I using? What other steps am I getting? Is it getting me that extra level of, of quality that I really want? Like it's just, I need to try them out. That's all. And I think for me, if you want to talk about it in terms of time saving, this is one of those products where you buy the pads, you've got them forever. You're working on an army, you yeah. run out of resin bases. No, it's, you got to wait to order those fuckers in again. No, it's totally fine. And those that base pad you're going to have, like what happens to the company with your resin bases goes out of business. Like you stop manufacturing them, like MicroArt Studio did to me for like several years. Yeah, you're screwed. Ranges. So yeah. no, I, I can see the use for them. Like at the minimum, they're going to be a three. At, like it's it's they're a good product. There's no yep. doubt about that. Do you uh, see yourself trying them out, Mike? Four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> good good review. Love it, Michael. <laughs> Love it. Dan, how about you? Have you actually had a chance to try these? Um, like, super briefly, I meant to bring the ones that Tom lent me. They were, yeah. like, sitting right next to him, like, on my computer desk right next to the laptop that I grabbed on the way over here. I forgot to bring the pads so that you guys could see them and try them. But, like, good I literally, job. I literally packed the pads and an extra, like, ribbon of green stuff in case somebody wanted to try it and just didn't bring it. Good. But, no, good. it's... They seem really solid. I definitely... I need to find some that um, really are, like, the exact pattern of what I'm after. But if I can... If, like, on... I haven't gone through every single thing on Happy Seppuku, but if they have some flight deck bases, or something remotely like that, even just some diamond plate or something, so that I'm not spending several dollars a model on AVP bases, like, I'm not... Probably not going to get any work done on those models until I have the bases for them. Yeah. Makes sense. something like this, if I can do it for... If I can do, like stamp texture for the bases on a bunch of xenomorphs rather than again buying like dozens and dozens of dozen bases deck plating alone yeah that will because i spent enough fucking money on that kickstarter already oh my god yeah but that was years and years ago it doesn't even count 
Yeah, that was like 2014 Dan's money. <laughs> yeah, so just keep going. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think I think that'll go a long way. I got to find a few um, between the rollers and the stamps and everything. I want to find a couple of textures that'll work really well for that deck plating, and then that is a project that I want to go to town on. But the first impressions, <laughs> good joke, huh? First oh, impression. that was so punny. Oh. It was, it, they're, they're quite good. I like it. Yeah. And the cost effectiveness is really hard to argue with now, especially if you can find one within North America, because a lot of these other companies for resin bases, a lot of them seem to be European. Yeah. The exchange rates, depending on the day and the shipping and the other stuff, they can add up. You might get nailed with customs, but Happy Seppuku is $7 shipping, U.S. Postal Service, so no UPS gouging. Yeah, it's it just seems, really seems like a really cost-effective way to go. Yeah, for so sure. I am totally stoked about it. I have to give it like a five because five dollars a base stamp. That's really hard to argue with. Yeah. After spending God knows how much money on secret weapon and microart bases, which I love, I don't want to spend that kind of money again. <laughs> yep, I'm with you. There's a reason why my Martian bases are all not present. Yeah. Once is enough. <laughs> once yeah. is enough. Yeah. Once you do go down that road. When your resin bases add up to like a significant portion of the army cost. Yes, a couple hundred bucks over the course of an army is not unreasonable with resin bases. If you no. can avoid that, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons that my Necrons never got off the ground. Was I really like those few bases I got from either you or Dan? Dan, uh, it was from that assorted pack from uh, Street Weapon. Oh, when we bought the like pack of miscasts yeah. by the pound or whatever. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> I, I had those. I'm like, wow, these are great bases to contrast the the metals of the Aren't Necrons. They just sand. Like, no, they, they have like poo dunes and stuff on them, and it was. It That's right, they did have the <coughs> weird dunes, the the poodoos, as we call yeah. them. Yeah, the poodoos. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I have a bunch of Necron models that I got super cheap secondhand, and I was like, wow, I have to spend two hundred dollars on resin bases. Project yep. over. <laughs> <laughs> you should have done that. That army looked really good for how fast they were. Yeah. That army looked fantastic. Anyways. If nothing else, it gave me an opportunity to play with real pastries one day, and that's that's worth it for me. Literally flying croissants. Anyways, we should move on. Speaking of 40K. To that was the segue. Period. I'm sure you planned that. That was totally planned. It was, actually. <laughs> so if you haven't Dance been paying attention, puppets. you've not been paying attention to the 40K universe at all in the last, I don't know, two Five months? Years? Okay, two months. Two months. Two months, I'd give it. The GW is really shaking things up with the the Gathering Storm narrative. So we saw the fall of Cadia that's come out. There's there's been a lot of talk about that and all the the crazy uh, events that happen on Cadia. And shockingly enough, I don't think I'm going to ruin this for anybody. Cadia falls. It doesn't all the plan. I know. Blown away. Spoiler alert. I know. It, it's what's no one saw it coming. Um, but the point is, is in that that book, and I'm not going to give away any of the the actual spoilers. There's a lot of cool shit that happens, some really really neat stuff, and they definitely advance the the story arc uh, to the point where we're not. I'm not really sure if some of these characters are going to come back. So that brings us now to this week's rumor mill, which, if you have not been paying attention, is Gathering Storm Part Two. So what we know now is this will be a series. Much like the end times. Much like the end times. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, I do not see them, and I don't think, and they've also, GW's also expressed they're not going to Age of Sigmar Sigmarify the world. They're not going to destroy the 40k background. They're just going to add more syllables to everything. Potentially. 
So they're they're going to move the plot forward, but not in a way that drastically alters the feel or aesthetic of the game. So what we've been told for 8th edition rule set, similar to 7th edition. It's not going to be crazy departure. Some streamlining, so, so hopefully that, that should be good, frankly. There's some things that do need to be streamlined. There's a lot of FAQs currently. Yeah. Um, hopefully fewer rule books. Like, I'd like to take less than six books to a tournament. That'd be cool. Um, but the big thing is, for the fluff players, we finally have narrative events that are occurring that are similar to, like, the 13th Crusade, like when they did the global events, like back in Armageddon, where it felt like something cool was actually happening. Like, uh, Yerick may die, or whatever else is going on. So, they're they're moving that forward. And now with the Eldar coming in, it looks like they're also doing the the Age of Sigmar-ification of the Eldar. It's Judging by the, like, one page that's on the website, it sounds like Beltan's gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Yeah, the fracturing of Biltan is the the name of it, and it sort of ties into the uh, the death mask fluff. So in that, Eldrad was trying to basically destroy every craft world's infinity circuit to release the dead Eldar spirits to awaken the god you need. If you, <laughs> Tom, that's not helping. I know. <laughs> I assume he just drew a penis on his hand and showed it to someone. No. Now we, I was trying to be like subtle about it because my phone had the beep. Mike was giving me the stink eye, so I wrote on my hand, "It's okay, they're talking about 40k." I know it's very hurtful. <laughs> it's very exciting. <laughs> I just assume he drew dicks because he always draws dicks. Have, did you read the Age of Sigmar end time stuff? Did you Did you enjoy that at all? <clears throat> I did until it made everything obsolete. So that's the thing. This is the same process and same narrative, sort of cool. But the books will potentially be useless like a month after you bought them, maybe? Well, we don't know. Like, they were pretty tight-lipped about the whole thing. They aren't this time. The community posts are saying very specifically that this is not the way it's going to go. Now, again, you could be right. Like, they might really fuck everybody over. That's not, like, it's not happened before. Here's the thing. And I can't remember when this conversation happened, but, um... I was talking to Dan, and I, it, we were talking about wanting to play 40K again. Yeah. And But really, we don't want to play 40K. We want to play 3rd Ed 40K. Like, we want to play the game that we used to play, which isn't the game anymore. Which is fine, right? Because it's just not for me. And I think it was you. It's like, it's like thinking that getting back together with an ex is a good idea. Yeah. Right? It's not. You're remembering <laughs> the good times, not the reason you broke up in the first place. And... I only say this because, A, I thought it was a great analogy and wanted to bring it up on the podcast, and, B, because I feel like it, me expecting Games Workshop to do something differently is, they are. is setting myself up for failure. I, I will eat my words happily when they go through and do it differently. So remember that time that you said you were going to eat your words when they finally release you Chaos Rules? They released a Band-Aid, man. They released a Traitor's Legion book. That's nothing but rules for 20 legions. Space Marines don't even have that. Did it have 20 legions? No. Or it had, not 20 legions, it had the full uh, trade of legions. Nine. Sorry. The so original even the two that are expunged from records? That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Why did I not hear about this? No, that would be, that'd be... They had nine full 
Chaos Legions in that book. Yeah, I think it's more than the chapter tactics listed in the Angels or in the Chaos or Space Marine Codex. Yeah, and like I get that. <laughs> I, I was really just dis- I was really disappointed when one of the main formations was, you know, who probably likes lots of obliterators. Iron Warriors probably like lots of obliterators. They should just take them as troops. Like it was. And I don't just hold this against Games Workshop because War Machine is fucking the pooch so hard right now with their theme okay. forces. And you're you're picking apart something because it's not perfect for what you think. There was one formation that allows you to, uh, or not one formation. That's just the army wide rules that you can take for uh, Iron Warriors to have obliterators as troops. You get so many cool formations as well. Like you're the only legion in the game or any faction that can take three fortifications just cause. Yeah, but here's the thing, You've right? You've got like, your own specific... Uh, w- without... Warband, it, without going... But here's the reality. That's not the game I loved. That's new 40K. It's a different thing. Not really. It's the yeah, taste it of a new generation. <laughs> it's not really. Okay. I, I can't <laughs> even be mad at that, Dan. Just random Wayne's World quotes. My random Wayne's World quotes. You need to take a look at the end time stuff because the end time stuff feels like third ed 40k I keep calling it end times now because it, it kind of is it is a change and one of the things they're going to do which I oh I, I should say they're going to do I think they're going to do is they're going to consolidate a lot of the books and I think that's a good thing oh like the campaign expansions and stuff like that no I'm talking codices uh, like with when they're talking about the the birth of Yanid coming back to gathering storm part two where the Eldar awaken they're gone. That's true. They, they add more vowels so that they can put them back in the same book together. Yeah, they're now likely going to be called the Eldari. We'll see what that if that actually happens. That's the rumor currently. Just like the Elves in uh, Age of Sigmar, which I don't like, but I don't disagree with. Like they do need to protect their IP, and they cannot trademark Eldar. And that's fair, but the other thing that this allows them to do is they're writing it into the fluff. Like, Eldari is the collective word in the Eldar tongues for the entire species. Yeah. The Eldar are the craft world Eldar. Dark Eldar is not a correct translation in their... That's an imperial bastardization. Yeah, yeah that's the the Comorites is the in, incorrect. Like, they're just Eldari from Kimora in the craft world eyes. Right. Yeah. Like they're so they're they're writing it into the fluff where it makes some sense. Well, it would be neat if they do move in the direction that they did for Age of Sigmar, where it's not about specific races. Grand it's order. about the Grand Order, which is where the Eldari is going to come in, where it will be a Grand Order of Harlequins, Dark Eldar, and Eldar in my mind. And then we might also see Exodites, which I'm super excited about uh, to see that. But on top of that, we're they're talking about. Vect and Uriel and Salandry Veilwalker coming as another another Gathering Storm box set, where that is when they actually sort of not just awaken you need, that's not the avatar of you need, which is in this current box set, which we haven't even talked about the models, which is the other part. Um, when they finally actually get to making the Eldar resurgent, where they don't have to worry about Solanesh uh, taking their souls when they die. Which Again, brings me to the models. Have you guys actually taken a look at these things? Yeah. So did you notice that the avatar of Yanid is strikingly Slanesh looking? Oh yeah, he's got the big Slanesh-y horn growing outside of his face and stuff. Yeah, and not only that, he has like the crazy like uh, spirit stone 
whirlwind going on that's like he's co- coalescing yeah, a little ghost whirlwind thing that they've used on similar to like the Celestin um, Prime and the Gash and all those other models so yeah. I have a question for you are they going to kill Smash in 40k I think they will but I also think they're going to kill Slanesh in a way that he can come back later in the fluff to sell more models. Like, they're always looking at a way to increase their sales. And why shouldn't they? Like, they're a business. That's, that's totally okay. But they're going to... Like, Slanesh already has a huge model line that's actually pretty solid. Like, they don't really need a lot of models. I think other than the Fiends, maybe, that they could redo... Their greater demons not great, but their 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 model line's pretty okay. But somewhere along the line, they'll do they could do another one of those campaign books where Slanesh is resurgent and whatever. Yeah, and plastic them up like they're doing for Zinch. Like Slanesh is not going to die because the Eldar suddenly don't feed their souls into him, right? Like Corn or a good one would be Zinch. Like Zinch doesn't need to feed on souls. Uh, Nurgle doesn't really need to feed on souls. He just causes disease like Slanesh will be around as the purveyor of decadence and pleasure right he's he's going to exist but they don't they can move the Eldar storyline forward without them always constantly hanging on the edges of dying race like finally when would they just die well but wasn't in Age of Sigmar Slanesh is just straight up gone no he's like he's absent from the throne isn't he he's absent from the throne he's not gone okay he's he's I can't remember exactly what happens to him but yeah he's not gone He's still there. This the horned rat happens to be sitting in his place, and I agree that was pretty sweet. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the horned rat is looked upon as like a usurper. Like he's not supposed to be there. So I don't think Slanesh is gonna go away. But I definitely can see him taking a backseat until they can re-release him in a proper fashion that is PG. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's always been a, a difficult balance to strike. Like the weird treasure trail demons and other things that they've had over the years like they've had some weird stuff in fantasy that's not yep. pg yeah oh for sure i guess those were more the furies than everything oh the, the treasure the, trails the booby worm that the was a weird worm one was also weird or just like the room. straight up slimpy topless yeah they, they've gone away from that demons. rightly yeah. so i mean if you want to be a publicly traded company it's tough to purvey that really like that's not a good business model usually for mass market appeal i mean game of thrones might disagree but <laughs> I guess my point is, I'm stoked that they're moving this forward. It sounds like they've learned their lesson from Age of Sigmar to not completely screw over their existing player base. Yeah, I think they'll find the balance between giving themselves enough freedom to maneuver finally mm-hmm. without just like forcing people to garbage half their collection or, I am, or books or whatever. I'm tentatively going to say I'm hopeful. Whereas before I'd be, oh no, they're going to fuck it up. The way they've been going, yeah. it shows that they're earning some of my trust back is what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, how can you not really have some trust back? Like, they're listening to their community. Oh. They have a Warhammer community page. People are writing that for them that are not part of the community. Like, not part of the company, I should say. They've, they've done a lot of things that we, 10 years ago, said, this company's on its way out. It's never going to do this again. It's, this is the problems with the company. They're addressing that. I guess for me, one of the things that I look at is that Age of Sigmar was such a success for them. Eventually. Eventually, and that's where they learned a lot from. Age of Sigmar was was a situation where fantasy did not sell. They could do whatever they want and experiment with it before they did the same thing to their main flagship game system. 
and they realize, I think, that you need to ex- expect people do talk about tournaments and actually playing the game. That simplifying it to that extent can have some backlash. People do like depth in their games, and they're adding that back into Age of Sigmar. And really, Age of Sigmar, like the whole four pages of rules thing, is a bit of a misnomer. Like every unit has its own special rule. Mm-hmm. Like it really, there's more to it than most people believe. Oh, there's way more to it. There's a huge amount of Age of Sigmar. You can't just say it's four pages of rules. No, no and sure. it was only those initial, like in, any of that stuff, where it's like, oh, if you have a better mustache than your opponent, you get a reroll. That type of stuff was only like the Ravening Horde style, like get you by lists. Those were yeah. not serious in the slightest. But the yeah, real think, ones are. I think if they were serious initially, they realized again, there's a lot of backlash there. Let's not do that. That's a stupid idea. Uh, and then on top of that, they, they realized that partway through, tournament players do exist. People do want to play competitive games in a framework. And uh, the General's Compendium was written not by a GW staff writer. It was written by the, what is it, the, the, wet, the uh, West Coast GT? West Coast GT, in the, the organizer of that out of England. His, the campaign rules, or, can, or tournament rules, are from that, and the hmm. point system is from that. I actually didn't realize that part of it. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't in-house, which is crazy to me so i think they've learned from that i hope and like i said they are we used they used to say they're just a models company and they're producing phenomenal models like that whole eldar box set the vizard guy in power armor looks so cool yeah that guy's badass actually yeah he is by far i think the best model in that kit of the three i'd say so and easily that's also taking into account there's an actual model with a gyrix which is crazy. I never thought I'd see that. That hasn't been in the game since second edition. <clears throat> Psychic Space Cats. Who, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I'm not a cat so person. Don't put up your hand. I'm not a cat person. Put it down. It's kind of neat. It's hilarious that they're bringing that back. Like, that's the throwback to the, the fluff players that want that. Like, they're, yeah. they're into it, right? Yeah. So, I, I'm super excited, and I think that I want to give this even without reading the book, if they continue moving things forward, and even if the fluff isn't the greatest, release cool models, move things forward, listen to their player base, they can't go wrong. This is this has got to be at least a 4 or 5 for GW. Models alone, except for the fact that I think some of the models, and you mentioned this as well when we were talking about this ahead of time, some serious possibility of just breaking all the time. Yeah, the hair on the chick with the gyrinks yeah. looks incredibly fragile. Yeah, I agree, but I don't know if you can rate a model strictly on the fact that it's fragile. It's a cool sculpt. We would like have to dock some points from a lot of your Malifaux models if that was a consideration, too. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> add my wings for my Stormcast, those are Oh, fragile. that would be a bad one, too, yeah. Never even thought of those. Those would be terrible, actually, because they're so spindly. Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. probably magnetize those so that they can come off on yeah, purpose. Yeah, most of them do, except not the normal guys. The normal guys, it's too much work. Yeah, it makes too sense. Too flimsy. Yeah, I mean, that, that for sure is a problem when you're playing with them in a anywhere really if you have to transport them yeah but the fact that they can actually produce those models like the the spirit effect on the unita avatar like 10 years ago if somebody would have shown you that model you would have probably shit your pants like that's crazy that they're able to do that in plastic <laughs> now yeah that's fair it's impressive <clears throat> but to me it's not something that i don't enjoy painting those spirally ghost things i'm actually with you the model in that kit that i'm the least favorite least a fan of is actually the the unique avatar but the other two i think are are fantastic i was actually for me 
Like, you see the one dude in the red armor that looks phenomenal. It's a great model. The Vizark. The Vizark. And then I see the other one, I'm like, wow, another one with massive swirly bits. Thanks, Games Workshop. It's like they're replacing skulls with just fucking swirly bits on everything. Yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to show their technical dominance, frankly, that they can produce a plastic kit that looks like that, that has that much undercut and that much Yeah, but does, just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's true. And I think I think the swirly effect. I just heard that in Jeff Goldblum's voice. <laughs> <laughs> that, nice. Just because you can't. Yeah, you're right. Like I, I don't disagree with that statement, but I do think the rest of that model still, like the face of the avatar, has so many design cues that fit the fluff and sound awesome that I can kind of get past it because I do like that background. But yeah, the other two models are I'm super excited to paint. And it was kind of that way also with the original Triumvirate, where I actually didn't really care about Celestine. I thought Celestine was the weakest of the kit. I actually and think her Gemini are better. And Celestine's a tricky one too, because she existed in metal before, mm-hmm. with basically the same detailing, with basically the same pose, but with more detail. Yeah. So it's... The model in some ways is technically superior and stylistically, but well, there's also some ways that I prefer I the I didn't like one. the scrolls. Why is she hovering on scrolls? So that she can be anchored to the base. Exactly. Duh. Exactly. And the original one was actually flying on a pillar of even more scrolls because it needed to hold up a metal model. Oh, I didn't know. I thought she was standing. No. She, she, was, she was floating really? before with like a oh. big, there was like a big like avalanche of purity seals like coming out of her somehow. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. I don't remember that. Yeah. I, I painted one. So yeah. Really no. bad spicy food. <laughs> purity seals. Just tons and tons of toilet paper just spilling <laughs> yeah, out from her. Toilet paper and blood. <laughs> you gotta purify the taint. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Makes kind of uh, sense. Uh, no, I, I, I'm i super excited oh, for Oh, maybe it. the bird wasn't a dove. Maybe it was like a canary. <laughs> She's like, I need to get out of here. I need to crack a window or something. This canary is dying. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Like The, the model is technically superior, but I'm not sure it's it's better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Another Wayne's World quote just popped into my head. There's so many popping yeah. into my head. Oh, man. Anywho, I'm excited. I want to play a lot of 40K, and I think that's all that matters, is they're making 40K players want to play more 40K. That's they're making good. 40K great again. It's true. That's the worst thing I've ever heard, frankly. Serving <laughs> judgment, staying hopeful. I like it. Yeah, and that's really all you can do, right? Uh, I guess for me, uh, I was ready to buy into 40K. I, I even spent the, like, $100 on the rule books for 7th edition, and it really fell flat. So, I... I keep I keep getting amped about 40k for like five minutes. And I can then, tell you right now, you're never gonna like 40k unless it goes back to third ed. I played enough 40k with you since then that that is when you're excited, were excited about it, and it just never held your your captivation since that point. And therefore, this original point that I made of that reference of like the ex girlfriend, there's a reason we. Broke I don't up. think that's entirely apt. I actually don't agree with that that statement entirely. I think the idea that you had something something with 40k that went wrong, you left when it was 3.5. You broke up with 40k. No, I left. I left at the end of fourth. No, because that was when they still would have had 3.5. 3.5 was around for while you were still playing for sure, which is considered to be the greatest Chaos Codex. It was right until right before they broke up uh, Chaos into Demons and Chaos. No, I can. I know when I was playing 40k, Steve. <laughs> did you play with the Demons and Chaos Space Marine Codex? Like when they were two different books? No. 
then you would have played with 3.5. Yeah. Which was when it was the best. Yeah. So my point is, I don't think it never really worked for you in the first place. I think you were always a fantasy sort of Malifaux, that kind of thing was your background, what you liked in the game. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's 100% true. Yeah, so I, I don't think this is geared towards players like you. It's geared towards people that have an active interest in sci-fi and 40k. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm trying to get at? No, that's fair. And, the, that, and that's you were point. never one of us, Tom. And that's why 40k was my ex. Yeah, because we never really loved each other in the first place. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think that's a weird analogy. Not really into it. It makes so much <laughs> sense for me in my brain as to why I can just be like, oh yeah. That's fair. But your brain also decided getting the weird owl tattoo was a good life choice. It's true. 50-year-old Tom Which is not I like pers- his 30-year-old Tom. I personally Tom. quite like it, but there, there's some mixed opinions on the subject. <laughs> it's not on you. <laughs> it's true. It's not on my body. Although I did come up with another good idea for a tattoo for him, which we can discuss later. But uh, we'll call, we'll, Like, after hours. Yeah. It's, it's majestic. It's majestic. It's not going to happen. <laughs> good. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm already going to say that's good. It's not going to happen. All right. I think we should call it here. Yeah. Okay. We don't have Ward to talk about our events. Do you have him? Yeah, he's got him listed here. Oh, good. Good. Without Ward, I feel like we we're just not prepared. No, we got it all. Good. Good. So LVO. At this point, you know you know the LVO is a thing. Ward and Steve are going. If you're not already going, it Yay! may be too late. February seventeenth and eighteenth. Colder than carbonite. Wellington Park Hall, thirty point or three hundred point twenty to twenty dollars thirty players. Beerfinity on the Friday, February eighteenth. Bitter North Gaming Bit Swap, twenty dollars for a full table, ten for a half. Running alongside the Colder Than Carbonate event. Uh, battle, February twenty fifth, the Battle of Endor at Thunderground Comics, one hundred points. Apparently, there's a wicked first place trophy. Yeah, well, there's like a giant X wing on like a. Giant concrete base or something, isn't it? Oh, that's that one? Okay, sweet. Yeah, I think that's what they were posting up, like, work-in-progress pictures up for the trophy, so that would be an X-Wing tournament. Uh, February 25th is the Golden Grot. That sounds bad. Uh, Kingsway? Their annual painting competition they've been running forever. Sounds sounds like something gross. And for those of you Malifaux players, on February 5th is a event happening at Red Claw. It is going to be... Um, Henchman Hardcore and Forcer Brawl So it's a really good opportunity uh, Just to come out, hang out, meet the rest of the community If you haven't yet And it's more giggles than anything else So, Cool And just a quick reminder too again For those of you listening out there If you're running events, even if they're not in Edmonton If they're in Canada, Western Canada, whatever Feel free to drop us a line Or put a post up on the Facebook page And we'd be happy to plug your events So just the more events you guys let us know about The more we can promote them Yeah, for sure Cool. All Under right. Silence. Let's well, go. yeah. Well, that's my favorite kind of silence. That's true. Until next time, this has been another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. And I'm Steve. And I feel like that was very soothing. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, paint your fucking models, play some games, and have fun. Sounds like we're on CBC Radio right now. This is weird. <laughs> or CGSR. <laughs> 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 <laughs>